Hello and welcome back to the Nothing to Something podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Love Recruitment and Love Care Recruitment CEO, Lawrence Everest. In this episode, you can expect to hear whether uni is right for you, what it takes to build your own business, the importance of having the right people by your side, top tips for career success, plus so much more. Guys, before we get started, please like, share and subscribe for further content. And I'll see you on the other side. Lawrence, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, buddy. Really, really excited to be here. Thank you very, very, very much for joining us. Um, I know we've talked about this for a good while now, haven't we? We really it's have. Nice have you on. Yeah, ever since I um, came to see, see you up in Manchester. Yeah, that was that was the start of it all. So it was a business meeting. It was. We got together <laughs> to discuss recruitment for obvious reasons. But then there were so many shared interests there involving the recruitment as well and the fact that we're both passionate about the empowerment and discovery of people, not just the recruitment side and filling the slots, but then also outside of that, the personal development, the books, the podcasts, the, you name 100%. it. There's a, there's a hell of a lot in there. So this should be a very intriguing conversation with a hell of a lot of takeaways. Um, I'm just looking down because I've got a pile of notes here and a load <laughs> of questions. We'll try and cap it to a reasonable time because um, we haven't got forever. No, all good, mate. All good. Massive thank you. Thank you for joining us. So before we get into it, do you just want to introduce yourself and explain to us what it is you do? Uh, and we'll go from there. Yeah, no problem at all, mate. So I'm Lawrence Everest. Uh, I run actually two recruitment companies. So um, I started Love Recruitment with um, my business partner, Abby, uh, just over eight years ago. Uh, we recruit in the fitness industry mainly, but leisure suppliers um, surround the sectors there. And about a year and a half ago, we started our second business, which is Love Care Recruitment, which is jointly owned by my other business partner, Tom Trout. Um, and he and those guys very much run those businesses. And I see my, my job is very much providing the platform for those guys to be successful. So recruitment is, is what I do. Nice one. Love it. So let's take it all the way back from there. I know you've not always been in it, obviously, within the business and within recruitment. Mm. Where did it all start? Talk us through your, your upbringing, childhood, education. How have we got to this stage? Yeah, also I listened to obviously, um, some of your conversations already and um, I feel back to childhood and I think the one word that comes through for me from a childhood point of view, for me, I was so lucky. There was the word, the, the word is stable. I didn't, I mean, I had exceptionally lucky and fortunate to have a really stable um, upbringing, stable family life. My, my parents are amazing. I'm sure they'll come up again multiple times during the course of this conversation because they're heavy, heavily influences on me. But I was incredibly lucky to have that. It wasn't only the immediate family, but cousins and un un aunties and uncles and the wider family there and grandparents. We grew up really, really close together, um, both in terms of relationships and location. <laughs> All in the same village together. So um, it's very, very lucky in terms of my upbringing. Um, should I carry on? Should I talk about education stuff? Should I, should, should I do that? Yeah, well, the, the <laughs> questions are popping into my head already now, Lawrence. Oh, sure, I love that you said that. I really do love that you said that. Did you realise that at the time? And I'm thinking on the flip side here because I was lucky enough, as we've discussed before, to have yeah. an, amazing, an amazing childhood with amazing parents, but we were in a less than affluent area, should we say, and a lot of the friends that I grew up with and are still good friends with me to this day 
came from broken homes, uh, one parent families, a lot of that sort of stuff was going on. And I know from speaking to these people and from what I've seen happen as a result of certain upbringings has had a massive effect. Did you realise back in the day or, or was it just when you got later in life? No, I don't think you do. I don't think you do at all. I don't think, um, I don't think it's, as a, as a, as a child, as a young adult, as a teenager growing up, I don't, I don't think you realise that kind of stuff. I'm sure some people do, but I certainly didn't. Um, I think it's a naivety. You don't realise what, what else is going on around you. I think the older I've got, the more people I've come across, the more circles I've worked in and been around. I think it's, you realise that you, you look back and realise just how lucky you were or unlucky you were in some situations. I look back and now and just see, and just see again, that word, that stability. I'm so lucky to have had that because I've got people who are close to me in my life now who didn't have, who didn't have the fortunate fortune of that. And I count myself incredibly lucky to have had it. Nice, love it. So moving a little bit from there, you are reasonably well educated, I would assume, <laughs> by uh, the conversations we've had, by what, by your current title and status. And uh, I think it's really, I think it's a, it's a really, it's a really great question because because not particularly. I went to a, I went to a huge state school with with ten form entry, um, so it's a massive, massive school, um, and I was a very, very average, very, very average. And I, I, I look my my eldest Ted is just smashing school and getting amazing grades and really well-rounded with, with 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 that i had the roundedness i think but i i didn't get it i didn't get score i wasn't very good at it i was just lost in the system i think a little bit not because i was a bad or anything i just didn't really have a place i didn't really get get it in terms of education i got very very average gcse's incredibly average and then did a levels and got in, in equally average a levels um and i went to a decent university. I went, I went to um, what's now called um, Bucks New University, but it was a university college then. But I went to the perfect university at a perfect time for me. It was small mm. and I was surrounded by people who were like me. I chose to do leisure management sports studies and everyone else chose to do the same thing. So I was surrounded by really similar people. And that I almost kind of came of age at that point. I kind of grew up at university. I suddenly started to have it crystallized in my head what I wanted to then do. And I was surrounded by people like me. Um, and it was a great time. And I, I grew up a lot. I started to get what studying was and how to learn at university. Mm. Um, whereas I didn't have that in school at all. With you, with you. I didn't go to uni. Um, not a lot of my peer group went to university, <laughs> to be completely honest. It's something that I always toy with from time to time. And you see the memes now, everybody's on social media. Um, and you see the memes around how much it costs to go versus how much yeah. this new Gen Z are making on YouTube and, and that sort of thing. Um, I know there's a massive, we're at both opposite ends of the scale there, but looking back, would you have gone to uni? Apart from the social aspect, do you think it was, it's played a pivotal part in the person you've become? I think the first thing was I was the first person in my family to go to uni. My, 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 my dad's a window cleaner. My mum worked part-time and I think I was, was very lucky that I was, I was the first person that had the, the opportunity to go. Um, it was, I think it was a very proud moment for mum and dad. Um, and it's very proud for myself. But again, that's on reflection now. I'm 43 and old. Um, would I, would I still go knowing what I know now? Absolutely. I don't know if, I think, especially some stuff we talk about is any regrets in your life going forward. There is none. I wouldn't change a thing because it helped shape me. And some of the people I was at, I was at university with, I still come across to this day. An example that is, this is not a shameless plug, I promise, but on my podcast, um, I've got a guy called Dan Jones who just released this week. Dan and I are at university together. Now, Dan runs his own business in the health and fitness industry now. 
Um, it's just you have those links sometimes and you, and you, and you meet people, but that's a tiny thing. More, it's more about me and how I grew up in university. I grew up a lot during that time, living away from home, trying to survive on nothing. And I think one last thing I'll say about university, I'm so sorry before I, before, um, I say back, I was very lucky at the time I went to university as well because it was still, because I'm old, it was still the time where there were grants um, and you didn't, you didn't pay for. Yeah, so you um, slipped, yeah. I was the last year of that. So I was incredibly lucky to, to, to have had it without leaving it with huge amounts of debt. Yeah, no, it sounds good. Sounds good. I'm, I'm still torn to this day. Not as if I'm going to go back. I've not got a time machine by any means, but I've had different periods in my life to where I think I wish I'd have gone that route. Should I still go in, um, in more adult learning and, and try and go that route, degree route? And other times where I think, uh, no, it's not so much needed. So and what do you think? Very interesting to see the, the different accounts. As I say, I've toed and froed um, since I personally got more into the leadership, development, coaching, mentoring side of what I do now over the past four to five years I've had periods where I've certainly weighed it up um, and I've discussed with my fiance about going back to university or going back going into university to do a part-time degree but then when everything mounts up as we'll get to in a little bit and we're talking about spinning these plates and juggling life yeah I think it would be um, very very demanding at this stage but um, yeah I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit in a little bit sure so just going back to what you just said there, one of your key takeaways from university or of what you've just explained is the networking that you've taken away, the people you know. That, for my money, coming from where I come from, a um, little bit of a struggle coming through adolescence, although everything was amazing at home. That is one of the biggest struggles for people from my background, in my opinion. Yeah. Coming from a certain social status being stuck within a certain peer group and when you're stuck within that there is a big wide world out there with loads of connections and people you can connect with especially nowadays in an information age where we've got the internet and we've got social media etc but you don't get it when you're stuck in it and you can't see it you don't understand that how important is that networking factor i'm not sure it's as important as people think it is i think i i, okay. I gave a good example of that and i think some people in some probably in some circles is more important than others. Um, I believe networking is really important and I, it's become, it's vital to what we've done in our business. And we've been working with the same people now for years and years and years. It's because we're friends, we've built a relationship. We've, if we've networked from that capacity, but I don't think just because you meet some university, you end up, that's going to impact the rest of your life necessarily. I think I've tried to live my life in a way that I, I build great friendships and great relationships and they, they maintain throughout life um so i think network is important from that regard i don't, don't necessarily think it's maybe as important going f the people may think it's from university oh, you go to university means you have a network i'm i'm not sure that's quite the case mm. if i'm honest yeah fair play um moving away from education a little mm. bit talk <laughs> us through your elusive job history oh man seriously uh, it's been <laughs> i'm old seriously I'll, I'll be as fast as i, I'll be as fast as I can um <laughs> I left university and when I was leaving university, I, it was always, it was one of two things. It was either going to be sports development and I'm still, I'm still very passionate about that. And it was, I've always wanted to help more children, more people do sport. And I kind of do it in a kind of way now through Love Care. Um, or it's to go into health and fitness and I couldn't get a job in sports development. So it was health and fitness. Um, and my first job was with a, basically a startup called Solutions Health and Fitness. They opened up the first company in Walthamstow. 
Um, I was lucky enough to have stayed, stayed with them for about four, four and a half years. Um, from a duty manager, assistant manager to be a GM of their site in Croydon. Um, but I was so young. I really wasn't very good. Um, and ended up <laughs> leaving there and going to, um, a sporter, um, where I was a, a corporate sales initially, then sales manager, um, went to four or five different sites within a sporter. I made so many amazing connections. And this is where the connections thing helps. Mm. So many people that we work with now. A lot of those foundations were for my sport today. Um, I can list off loads and loads of names, but th- th- that's a whole podcast in itself probably. But yeah. it, I, I, I spent four and a half years at Sporter and to spend more than four and a half months at Sporter at the time was, was quite a success. It was a, it was a tough environment. It was, it was challenging and you were challenged every day, but I met some amazing people. I will, if you don't mind, highlight two of them really quickly. One was yeah, sure, uh, of course. One, one was a guy called Russell Ormwood, and another was a lady called Catherine Firma, who've both had huge influences on my career, and I still see, still see them both. I saw Catherine uh, earlier this week. We had a coffee together. I see Russ up in Manchester a couple of times a year. These people influence me and help me see that having the right mentor, someone you can learn from and get honest feedback from, is incredibly important in the career. I learned a huge amount from both of them. Um, and I still value their advice to this day. Um, I then um, had my first child, Ted. Well, I didn't, my wife did. And then we, um, health and fitness for me is an industry you do it because you love it and you have to give yourself to it to be really successful. I'm not sure that's still true. I think it's probably elements of that are still true, but you have to give yourself to it. And I certainly, a lot of my success was less about skill, more about just sheer work. I used, I worked so many hours, far too many. Um, and when I had Ted, I couldn't do that anymore. I couldn't, I couldn't be that guy anymore. And so I went to meet, uh, leisure jobs, um, who were the biggest, um, recruiter, um, at the time in, in terms of doing that. And they offered me a job and I worked there for five years. Um, I met Abby, Abby's my deputy. Um, now it sounds like a love story, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> and, and we decided we wanted to run our own business and we did, and that was eight and a half years ago. And then we had eight years of, of love and it's been a fantastic journey, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later on, but it's been a fantastic journey. Amazing. Amazing. So you've always been in and around this sort of fitness industry. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And no regrets. None at all. None at all. I love it. I do. I love, I love, I do love it. And one of the reasons why it was very tough to leave the, leave being in Clubland because I enjoyed being in Clubland. I enjoyed it. But when you have a, when you have a family stuff, I, f- I found it quite hard to find that balance because you have the weekends and you have the appointments coming in, you have the conference calls, you have all this stuff going on that it found it very hard for me to be the father I wanted to be and husband I wanted to be and, and do that. And so the fact that I could leave the industry and still stay in it at the same time by doing recruitment for it and, and still have all my connections and, and use those was the perfect scenario. No, fantastic. Very similar to my own story, to be fair. Mm. I, I totally get what you mean about giving yourself to it. When you're in gym ops, especially in gym ops on the front line, as a gym manager, as a cluster manager, or as back in them days, there were sales managers and all yeah. sorts of different facets to it. It does take a lot. There are evenings, there are weekends, there are early starts. There, there's a hell of a lot involved. So Absolutely. to be able to stay within the industry, very similar to myself and moving to the recruitment side, I really do get it. I can also feel your love for the family side of life there as well. Yeah. Because as we say all the time, we said away from the podcast, family first, 
But I think what we're doing within the business or what we've done across so many years, the qualities we've taken from that are transferable and we can certainly put them into the family life. And we try anyway to make things run as smoothly as possible and, and support. But, well, um, I'm sure we'll get into it, but that's one of the main things that came from that first conversation we ever had is I think we're very similar in terms of how we see life, in terms of how we see our work, how we see the balance between that, the aspirations of wanting to keep learning. And I think the more you have the right kind of pillars like that, the more you'll keep learning and improving and get better. Don't be wrong, we all make mistakes and sometimes we get the balance wrong. But by and large, I think if you have the right foundations and you, you want to, to, it to be a certain way, more often than not, it will work out that way. Does that make sense? It does. It certainly okay. does. It certainly does. Awesome. Right. So we're on love. Let's get into love recruitment and <laughs> love care recruitment. First and foremost, by the sounds of things, you didn't always see yourself going it alone. It's not always been an entrepreneurial mindset type of thing. No, not just kind of headed that route, that route out of chance with, with the birth of your first child. Yeah, not, yeah, absolutely. I, I think, I think I, my, my dad's winning clean. I had his own business basically his entire life. I think I always wanted, I think it's an important distinction to make. I don't mind. There's this distinction I want to make at this point. It's, I always had the aspiration, I think, to run my own business. But I certainly never planned to do that. And I certainly didn't have those entrepreneurial stories as a kid of starting my own website, selling lemonade on the street corner, whatever it might be. I, 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 I wasn't that person. My eldest is. My eldest has had about three businesses already. He's only in year 10. So it's like uh, he, he's, he has that. But I, I never had that, that kind of, it never kind of manifested. But I, I, I have always aspired to have my own business one day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if I answered your question, but hopefully I have. Yeah. Do you know what? Before we actually get into love, I'm, I'm, I'm preempting here, aren't I? But where did it come from? Where was the turning point there? Because certainly myself, I can speak for myself and a hell of a lot of people I know have run some sort of business. I've been a self-employed personal trainer, run a personal training business. I still run a small coaching business on the side of my full-time work as a recruitment manager. How did you get past that tipping point of doing it as a part-time thing and going all in, that's it. Everything depends on it. I've got dependence. It has to take, it has yeah. to work. It's it's daunting, isn't it? It's daunting, let's be honest. I think there's a hell of a lot of people out there that would like to do it, as you've just said there. Yeah. One day would think I would like to run my own business, but it's a very scary and daunting thing, isn't it, to switch over and go all in. Yeah. Any any tips or what was, what was the tipping point for you? Well, firstly, I, ne- I never did it part-time first. It was, right. I, it, I, it was never a side hustle. It was never a, on the side at all. We, um, I was working full time. Um, right. and then Abby and I decided we wanted to do something. We made that decision. We started to plan. Um, and it was, there was ne- like most things. It's never one thing. I don't think a situation like this, it was a combination of lots of, stars aligning and situations happening. The first thing's first to, to make the point of, I'm incredibly lucky to have my wife and the family around me that I do. And the confidence that Alice, my wife, showed in me to kind of keep the encouragement of, yes, you can do it, was one of the critical reasons, if not the critical reason, for me doing it. I think having Abby as well, um, I don't think I could ever start my business on my own. I don't think I don't, I don't think I would have maybe ever quite made that step, but to find a kindred spirit and a, and a soulmate in Abby, like I have, it, it's made the whole journey firstly possible, but secondly, so, so enjoyable to have him sort of by my side during the entire journey. 
And I think also the third thing I say is I, I was bought a book at the time called Never Too Late to Be Great. Um, and that made a difference as well. When you start, I think you, there's always this perception. If you're going to, if you're an entrepreneur, you start your own business. Everyone's Mark Zuckerberg. Everyone starts a business from their dorm room at age 20. It doesn't work like that. You've mm. so many stories, so many businesses started by people, um, when they've got two children at home or when they're 17, they discover the secret blend of 70 spices or whatever it is that Colonel Sanders did. You've, you've all these different examples and times of people starting businesses all through their life and it doesn't have to be a certain template. And it just it got to a point where I had the belief for my wife. I had a situation, I got a little bit more confidence in my own ability and I, I, knew I, I knew I didn't want to regret it. I know I didn't want to get to your deathbed of time and age and go, why didn't I? That, that would be something I could regret. Um, starting it and failing, um, I can handle that. I can get my head around that. Um, and I, I, that's, and there came a point where it was all that aligned. It was like, now's the time. And I was brave and happened quite quickly. Abby still tells a funny story about that, which is a story of another time. But um, <laughs> there's, it, it came a point where I was ready. And so it happened. Love it. Absolutely love it. You're motivating me. Anytime <laughs> I have these conversations and get on the podcast. I, mean, I love chatting to you. I, I, I really do. I love, I love doing them because I take something away from every conversation. Well, that little passage there, there's so many clips that I can take from that. And whoever listens to the past five minutes and doesn't get motivated and take something away from that. Oh, thanks, mate. Just, just pack it in. It's, it's, time, <laughs> it's, it's time to knock it on the head. Um, no, I love that. I love that. And congratulations on building a brand. Thank you. Did you envision we're starting it that it would be love recruitment? Because working in the fitness industry now, you are Love Recruitment. You're the CEO of Love Recruitment. That's no mean feat. That's Thank something you. to be proud of. Did you ever envision it be so big at the start? Did you aim for the stars or oh. okay, so let's see what happens? <laughs> we we wrote a business plan, um, which had obviously different targets and things we wanted to achieve. But ultimately, we had one. On day one, we had one aspiration, which is to still be in business in a year's time. If we if we achieved that, that was success. It means It means that what we felt we could bring was resonating and it was working because we didn't, we, we, Abby and I started this business with our money. It's us. We didn't have a, a seed round of investment or anything like that. This was us. And if we had survived a year, it meant we'd, people were paying some fees to actually, actually hire staff from us. Um, so that was really all it was about. And if we'd have got to that point while still working for my mother-in-law's spare bedroom, which was our first office, um, then that was huge success. And we were very lucky that things happened pretty quickly for us. We started working with people quite quick. Uh, people were responsive to us. Um, we hired our first staff member staff just as a part-time. She actually was my, is my goddaughter. So she started working as part-time for a little bit quite early on. And then we hired um, a, a girl called Sky, uh, Sky Vardas, who was our first full-time employee. She's now back in Australia. She's amazing. Um, and we hired her after after about eight or nine months. So we were able to grow quicker than we thought we would. We would, um, And that was eight years ago. Fantastic. There's um, more to story than that, obviously. But. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, a hell of a lot more, a hell of a lot more. We've, we've discussed um, a few further bits. Just while we're talking about the brand, just explain to us, Lawrence, who's it for? Who comes to Love Recruitment, both from both sides, let's say? Um, in terms of looking for a job or looking for to find quality employees? 
love recruitment it has different lanes within it so the the love recruit the core business is very much in the fitness and leisure industries so the core business that we do has kind of three main lanes really which is commercial fitness so our best people we work with the most is obviously yourself um and that is all the big box type operators the big chains that we work which is head up by cam which is phenomenal by the way and then we have our second lane which is we call it bis which is uh, boutiques independence and supplies which is headed up by maddie which is a hugely growing sector for us the fastest growing one for us and that's been a, a real success particularly over the last couple of years our industry has a huge growth and continues to have in both boutique and independence and we're fortunate enough to be able to work with a lot of those already we do something called one boutique a week where we all the, the team go out and, and try all these different boutiques. And um, I did a Pilates class at 10 with them this week. That was fun. Actually, it's actually really good. Yeah, I, I, thought, I, thought, I thought I might have actually hurt myself quite badly during it, but I, I didn't. It was actually really, really good. Um, and then we have leisure. So leisure is both like trust and leisure management um, operators and also the wide leisure field. So go-karting, trampoline parks, things like that. We... The most of what we do, the, the, almost like, I guess the sweet spot, I guess you'd say, is is that HOD level through to kind of GM cluster. That's where we probably have the, the highest majority of, of, of where we specialize um, in that area. But then the, in, within that, the fastest growing is more the higher end of that. So we've been lucky enough to now start placing C-suite roles, directors, uh, head office roles at senior level within those as well. So that's been a big growth area for us. That's that's love and care is a smile because it's it's still a baby. And it's still, it's, our, it's our baby business, which is really exciting. So that's in two kind of key areas. One's adult care, so management roles within care home chains, um, and then the childcare side of it is nurseries for some of the big operators and kind of sports coaches, wraparound care, things like that. And that's 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 headed up by Tom. Tom and his team are doing a great job. In a, in a challenging time because care, there's a bit of a skills gap there. Obviously with COVID and everything, not as many yeah. people train. So it's quite a competitive, hard environment to find staff and they're doing a fantastic job. Yeah. And you're quite at the back of it. Oh, yeah. blazing. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, kudos. Yeah. Um, Thank you. What, what's, your, what's your why, Lawrence? So we talked about the past eight years and obviously getting the business started and your vision from the off. What, what's your why behind it? I'm massive on having a why. Yeah. So our why is our, obviously our driver that gets us out of bed when we don't want to, when we're not feeling up for it, when we're low on energy. It's easy when it's easy. That's what they say, isn't it? But at times it's not easy. Yeah. What's your why? What, what's your driver? What keeps you going? Oh man, I love this question. When, you, when, um, when we discussed what the questions were, gonna, were, were kind of going to look like, um, this is probably my favourite one. So I don't think it has a simple answer. I don't think it ever does. Um, but I'll give you one anyway. <laughs> so in terms of the simple answer, my why... Why am I so kind of relentless in chasing stuff? I think it's a lot of it comes from my parents. We've come back to that point again, particularly my dad. So my dad's run his own business. Um, he, w he was able to provide an amazing platform for myself and my sister to kind of grow and develop. And a lot of it came from how hard he worked. I used to go out with him, cleaning windows from a really early age, go up and down ladders, three-story ladders, jump across balconies, which is health and safety wise. Look back and go, really? But honestly, that's the stuff I enjoyed it. And I, 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 I learned so much about how hard he had to work to kind of to to provide that example and to, to give us the start that we had i think my i like to think i would say this stuff very rarely it's i hate saying stuff that's about myself but i think my kindness and my humility that i have um the ethic that that has within love and i think we we, we act like that a lot of it because of the values that we bring a lot of that comes from my mum. um she's in the most kindest lady you're ever going to meet in your entire life she's awesome 
Um, and my last thing I'd say before I move on to something maybe a bit more specific is um, my why is really, I'm incredibly motivated to be the best version of myself for my wife and my children. That's what it's, that's what it's about. I, that's what now keeps me going. And that's, that's the simple answer. And it's, it's the, it's the true answer. But I think in terms of almost the, why am I like I am? I, I, it's really hard. There's two, we talk a lot about me and you, when we talk, we, we tend to talk about books and we, there's two books. There's one book we, we've both talked about a lot, which is principles by Ray Dalio. Mm-hmm. And there's a book I'm reading at the moment, uh, good to great by Jim Collins. There's two, there's two things in that. It's both mean really similar things. I hope you, I hope you don't mind me going off on yeah, slight no, tan- a slight tangent here to answer your question. In Ray Dalio's book, book he talks about the feedback loop. Um, and it's the feedback loop. You, you kind of go, every time you get better at something, you have to push yourself to get better. And as, as that loop continues to go high, as you continue to go through it, but get better and challenge yourself to do more things, you overall get better. The, the loop goes up and you get better as time goes on. And I think, and the, in um, in Good to Great, they talk about the flywheel. Um, so we first start pushing this massive wheel. It's really hard when you first start pushing it. But the more you do the right things, the more you learn, the more good things, bad things happen to you and impacts in your life. Without realizing it, you start pushing the wheel faster. And the faster it goes, the easier life becomes. Um, and only when I start, when I've got older, as I've got older, and I've read more, I, I can start to read stuff like that and I apply it to my life so far. And I kind of think that's, that's kind of why I am like I am. Because without even, before I read principles, I was going through feedback loops without even realizing it. Mm. And I think I'm, I've been lucky enough. I've always been quite receptive to feedback. I like being told what I'm doing wrong. I like being told the truth. Um, but as I've got older, I've now have, theories and principles that I can apply to it to understand where I've come from and to try to get there faster as I've got older. And I, as I'm in my forties now, I know this is such an important decade and I really, I need, I need, I'm going to get there faster. I feel like I'm just getting going. I'm in, I'm 43. I'm, I want to, I want to get there quicker, but understanding how to do that, how I've got here um, has been really important, I think, to understand. So I hope that makes sense. That certainly does make sense. Does it? I, I, again, a lot of it's resonating. I had yeah. a lot of it's resonating. I'm um, in a very similar place myself. Not far off you on age there, catching you up. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm taking... You look a lot younger than me. I'll, I'll tell you that. It's just, just good lighting. That's all it is. Like. <laughs> but um, taking a hell of a lot from that. I think with the striving for success, if you're anything like myself, I think a lot of it comes from having the humility and willing to be vulnerable enough to learn, if that makes sense. I think a lot of people shut off. They don't want to be told the wrong. Don't Absolutely. believe in the constructive criticism. There needs to be a level of humility there to understand that we're not the person that we could be. So yeah, a fantastic why. Some great content in there. I think, um, if I'm saying, I think some of it ties in with kind of the principle how I've tried to be with the team as well and how, what Russ first taught me as well is it's really important to tell people or maybe the team you tell people what they uh, need to hear rather than what they want to hear. And I think I've always tried to be that. I think by being that type of manager in my life, it's made me better as well because then those people respond better as well. And Russ was always like that with me. He could have easily just told me I was doing really, really well, but he, he didn't. He told me what I needed to hear to make me better. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try to do with the guys as well. And I think that's made me better as a person, as a leader, by acting like that. So I think if everyone looks back at that person, their career that's influencing them the most. Often it's, it's that type of character who's been honest and true yeah, with yeah. them and tell them what they need to hear to make them better. Not just the lovely guy that the David Brent who, who dances around the office. It has to be, has to be someone who's actually yeah. nice. 
Yeah, and I think there's, um, as I just said there, not everybody can take it, can they? True. How, how, how do you tend to build that within the business? Is it, are you confident on always recruiting the right people? or I think I it know, starts there. We talked about principles there a little bit and, and Ray Dalio, yeah. you know, a big thing for him is that there needs to be, needs to be open and honest. People need 100%. to be able to challenge, which again, I think people struggle to manage up in certain situations for fear of reprisal. Yeah. You sound like someone who's got that in place within your within your organisation. Yeah. Are I, open to, to airing the feelings and challenging upwards. Yeah, complete, 100%. We're very much, um, honestly, it's actually, um, yeah, honestly, the radical honesty and radical transparency, as he puts it. We're not quite as radical as probably Ray is, but we um, we certainly have the honesty and transparency in the business and people can and know that they can do that. It's really, really important. It does, a point you just made, I completely and totally agree with. It does come back to the initial recruitment as well, of hiring the right types of people. We, we've we been through that journey ourselves. Um, and about three or four years into the business, we, we looked at ourselves and we knew that we needed to hire better not because we hired wrong we had some wonderful people but the we, we we coined something called the mag seven which is we have seven criteria that we interview against when someone comes into love and so less than seven out of seven it, it can't happen we they have to be tickled out because we've we've identified the factors that work really well in terms of our personalities and the business and the sector etc etc to to make sure we hire the right people who can then do well in that environment and then we've got 14 of them at the moment. So that's good. It'd be interesting to see the criteria there. Mate, the con- the criteria 100%. There is, it sounds, sounds like you've got it down there. Spawn. Spawn. So you'll have the right employees who are capable, but also the right culture fit. Yeah. And don't worry, you don't always get it right. Um, but yeah. if you adhere to the set of values, to what you actually want to hire against, and you're, and you're true with that, you'll get it right more often than not. Spawn. Right. So moving a little bit, well, away from the business per se. Okay. I'm going to talk about juggling life. I know we've talked about this away from the podcast. We mentioned it a little bit earlier on in the podcast. I am a man who is very driven and very ambitious. Like you just said earlier on, word for word, I am obsessed with becoming the best possible version of myself, whether mentally, physically, in what I can achieve as an individual or providing the best for family, etc. How do you juggle what you're doing? because you're running this amazing business with all these different facets of it and managing all these different employees. You've got a family to look after, misses, kids. How do you prioritize? How do you make sure everything's going as well as it can be? Um, oh, there's no answer to that. This really, there's no simple mate. You know that better than I do. Um, I'm glad you said that, mate. I'm glad there, you isn't, said that. there isn't, it, there isn't. I'd relax. There's an answer. There's an answer which I'll which I'll I'll, I'll try to articulate. But there, there isn't. It's it's not about kind of giving a frame. These things happen over time. That's the feedback loop. That's the flywheel. These you get better as time goes on. I used to be awful at it. I was, I was way too much on the work side, and it's it wasn't fair in terms of the home life, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But over time, you just get better. Um, you get in sync. You constantly try to work in sync with those around you. Um, if I talk family life first, I've I've mentioned it a couple of times. I don't say it lightly or flippantly. Um, I, I, I'm so blessed to have an amazing wife and we're a proper team and we work together. That's not, that's not Alice supporting my work. That's me supporting hers massively as well. Alice runs a department for the Brit School. It's a, it's a big, big old job. We, we support each other. We help each other. And that's, if you start with that as your starting point, 
you you find you find you get in sync and you work in balance and you you realize you're a team quite early and we're and we're 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 a good team from that point. In work, Abby and I and Tom and the team we talk about being in sync a lot. And if you're in sync with each other, and obviously it comes up in Ray Dalio's book all the time, which is we we talked about how we need to be aligned all the time, but we now use the word in sync because it came from Ray Dalio's book, which I've made everybody read. But being in sync with Abby was one that was the, is one of the most important relationships I have in the business and with Tom as well, because if we're like that, it means our business can be will work the best possible version of itself. It can be. So we're on the same page. We're not fighting agendas. We're not trying to do different things. We know what our jobs are within the business. We know what our lanes are, and which means the whole machine of the business works better. I hope that makes sense. Certainly does. I think there's a theme here throughout the podcast, amongst other things. There is a massive importance on the people you surround yourself with. Massively so. Regardless of how much we put into ourselves and how ambitious we are and the things we want to achieve, having the right people around us, as, by the sounds of things, has, has worked wonders for yourself. And I know yeah. very and, similar in my situation. And it ties in with the feedback thing as well, because yeah. I think you have to be open to that. So one of the key reasons why we've been able to grow, we used to call it our six to seven people problem. We couldn't grow past six, seven people was one of the key reasons for that is actually I was in everybody's way. I had to get off the pitch and create the space for everybody else to start to develop and, and, and do their thing. But that came from me going to the UK Active Future Leader Conference in Barcelona and two people, and of course, Steve Ward, who used to be the CEO uh, for UK Active and Jack Shakespeare, who we've had on the podcast as well. Both of those two people during that four days, both told me it's time to get off the pitch. It's time to get out of those people's ways. And at the time I was like, well, I can't, I, I can't do that. The business needs me for this, this, and this. Every time I've started to realize that I can surround myself with great people and to give them responsibility so they can grow, the business, myself, them, everything's got better and grown because of it. Um, and you're absolutely right. It's so about surrounding yourself with the right people, but having the humility to listen to feedback, wanting to continuously learn to, from books and podcasts and people around you. And it, that feedback loop just, keeps getting better. You keep getting higher. Doesn't sometimes comes down and that's painful, but then it goes up again. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, I bet it was difficult uh, stepping aside and letting your, your baby. No, be it wasn't. In essence of, it wasn't. Oh, okay. No, once the realization happened, it wasn't, it became the most obvious, easiest thing in the world to do. I had a painful, um, coach writer we in Barcelona doing this, doing this, um, course thing. And I'd had the meeting of that. I presented and that feedback came and I was basically silent for the coach journey from there to where we went out for dinner. And I had two people, uh, Georgie and Jeremy, who Georgie said at UK Active, Jeremy's left UK Active. They're both like, Lawrence, you're okay. But I was processing it. But once I processed it, it seemed like the most obvious thing in the world. And you leave, you leave that course. It's amazing, by the way. If you ever get a chance to go, go through it with, with PG, you absolutely should. Abby's going to do the next one. You leave with a 100-day plan. My 100-day plan was more than just this, but it was essentially to make our Abbey MD within a hundred days. And we did it in 11. Um, wow. Just, it, but it was, it was small, so we, we can do that. We can move quickly, but it was mm -hmm. the right thing to do. And once you know it's the right thing to do, why wait? Just get on with it. It meant we had to get in sync quite quickly about some other things, but it worked. And he's been brilliant. He's, the business is, is better through Abbey's influence as well. Credit, credit on what you guys have achieved over there. It's, uh, it's fantastic from the outside Thanks. looking in. Right. Top tips for, as a matter of fact, before we get into our top tips, let's just discuss what are your biggest takeaways in life and business to date? 
I know we could go on all day with that. That could be a podcast in itself. But if you've got journey to date, what's your biggest takeaway from business and something for life for the listeners? Oh, man. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a few, if, I, if you don't mind me saying. I think yep. from a business point of view, the best lesson that I ever learned, and it's still true today, is have a process. Unless you know the process of what makes you successful, you can't ever be expected to replicate that success anywhere else. So knowing what your process is and what makes you tick and what makes you successful in your job is vitally important. So I start with process. Everyone that's ever worked with me would have sat there smiling or frowning right now because I say it a lot. Process is obviously really important. The other things as well I think is important is to keep learning. Um, the older I've got, the more important that is the amount of books that I, I get through. I've got nine next to my bed right now trying to work my way through. I just, every time I do, I get better as a result. And everyone I know around me who adheres to that as well would agree with that. I think being, if from a business point of view, being in sync with your team around you is so important. It's really underestimated. We're going to talk about that. But critical reason for our success if you say that we never feel we're quite where we need to be, but from what's happened works well, it's because as a team, we are in sync. Mm -hmm. One thing I'd say as well, if I'm human me from it, is always do the right thing. Um, you shouldn't ever, I can't remember which book it's in. I think it's in um, Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek, I think. But it talks about always doing the right thing so you don't ever want to walk into a room. You go to a conference, wherever you don't ever want to walk into a room and worry about, who you might see in there because you haven't acted in the right way. So mm -hmm. always do the right thing. Um, and that, that's meant that relationships we have have lasted so long in business. And it's really important. Sometimes it means you miss out on things, but that's okay. As long as you're doing the right thing. And the importance of mentors and through your life is as I've got older, it's become more, even more prevalent. The early ones, the Russ and Catherine's latterly, um, I've got mentors now. Eve is one of them. Um, Eve Signander from Pure Gym. She's a huge influence on me. Yeah, amazing. Mm -hmm. yeah she's, she's phenomenal. Um, one of the, one of the world's best people. Um, I've also got two mentors outside of the fitness industry. There's a guy called Matt King who mentors me. He's brilliant. Colin, um, another person who, who runs his own recruitment company. And obviously the two people I work with every day, Abby and Tom, they influence me massively and then help mentor me. So I think that's important in life. I'm going to say one, firstly, is to be conscious. I think when you get home, you're home to be home. Um, I know that's easy said and done. Um, and I've been, I've been the other side of that. But the more you focus on what am I consciously doing right now, that helps me to focus on where I am. So if, I'm, if I look at my phone, I'm, I'm looking at my phone all the time. If, if I can go, right, I'm actually at home now. I, I'm not, I can't influence that now. So be at home. Or if I want to give myself a chance to go and watch The Mandalorian, I've just got into that, it's really good. Um, I'm way, be way behind the curve on that. <laughs> but if I want to, that's okay. But consciously do that. Have you have that time to do that? But be conscious. Other than that, I think the, the, all the lessons I've just said for business actually apply to personal life as well. Keep learning, do always do the right thing, be in sync with those close around you. That's what I'd say about the personal life. I think it's, I think it's actually exactly the same. Absolute gold. Absolute gold. Um, <laughs> A lot of it's very simple as well, isn't it? But do we actually do it? I always do the right thing. Anybody who has got their head screwed on, who is a genuine person should realistically do the right thing. But we cut corners, do you know what I mean? We, we take shortcuts. We mm. sometimes take the easier route or we, we, yeah, we search for the easy way out at times. Yeah. I think if you can stick by that, then that is, will carry you a long, long way. It's a great book about that. The, the obstacle is the way. 
Yacht talks about that as well. It's amazing. I'll take that book. one on board. Add that yeah. one to the collection. Always up for a good read. No, spot on. Thank you for that. Thank you. So, Lawrence, would you ever go back to being employed? I know you've got your, your baby now. If somebody rocked up with this amazing company and said, right, Lawrence, will you come across and be MD or will you do this bit of the business for us? Would you go back to being employed or is, is this it for you? Is love your baby and you're running away with your own shit? I, I hope... I hope not to, I guess is the best way of putting it, but I'm not naive to know life, life takes twists and turns along the way. So you, you never say never about anything, uh, but I work, I love my job. I love the people I work with. I love the balance that the, this by running my own company enables me to have that I get to work from home today if I want to. Rufus is my middle child, has two football matches after school today. So I get to go and watch those. Um, if something happens like that, I get to go and do that. So I like that the freedom, I get to be creative and put my own ideas and principles and my values onto a business and the flexibility that gives me for my life that I want to lead as well. I love my job. I love the people I work with because of those reasons. Um, so I for those reasons, I hope not to, not because I've, I don't think I can work for someone else anymore, but I like what this allows me, the life that it allows me to have is the answer I'd say to that. Spawn. That's, is definitely something that resonates once again with myself. And I think the older you get, we keep referencing the fact that we're getting on a little bit. I don't know, around, around that big 4-0 mark. Um, that is something that I think comes with time and maturity and age. Not saying that the finance doesn't make a big, does, it isn't a big factor, but the older you get and the more mature you get and the more family comes into play, et cetera, we start to realise that time is where the real value is. Being able to work on your own time and, and sort of attend the school plays and do the things with your kids that you need to do, as well as being able to take care of business. 100%. Um, huge, absolutely huge. That True family, man. Without a doubt. <laughs> uh, right, it would be remiss of me yep. to get into uh, the weekly episode questions without just touching on a few last bits since you are CEO of Love Recruitment. So... For anyone who's ambitious, wanting to get ahead in the early stages of their careers, can you give us any advice on, first and foremost, keys to getting ahead? What are the fundamentals they need to take care of? And secondly, any interview tips? Yeah, no worries, mate. Um, in terms of interview tips, that's quite an easy one to deal with. And I hope this comes across in the right way. But the first thing I'd say is there's lots of good resources out there and we we do provide some of those. There's a podcast we have, which I love your career podcast. This isn't a shameless plug. It's genuinely, the reason why I'm saying this, we've had some amazing guests on so far, you being one of them, and you're the next one to be released, with experts talking about their journeys, how the decisions they've made, the tips that they bring as well. And we do highlight those. There's also some blogs on our website as well where I talk about tips like that. But just generally, in terms of interview tips, there's thousands. Fundamentally, always be prepared is the best first tip I can possibly give you. So if you're going for an interview, be the absolutely best prepared you possibly can be. Look into the business, look into the person, think about the questions you might get asked and get ready for it. The example I give here, if you hear me for a minute, the best example I give in terms of interviews is, um, I've mentioned her earlier, Catherine Firma. I've told this story hundreds, if not thousands of times. I used to be really, really bad at interviewing. And um, well, I was lucky enough in my career, I got moved on and progressed and I never had to actually interview for a while. But I, the job came up at Chiswick Riverside and I had to go interview for that. And my first interview, I was awful. 
apparently. Awful. And I know it from the time I was, I just wasn't very good. And the feedback came back to Catherine, who is someone I was really close with, uh, was my GM at the time, came back and she, and she did a mock interview with me. And she sat there and I was just talking around the houses. I was giving nine answers and one counted. And she was like, what are you talking about? And she gave me the best advice she, I've ever received about interviews ever, which I'll tell you now. She said, go home, get a blank sheet of paper in front of you and write down every single question you think you might get asked in the interview. And just write, don't answer them. Just write them 30 minutes, just writing questions. If you struggle to think of a question you might get asked, look at your CV or look at the job description of role you're going for and create questions based on that. So for example, tell me about a time you've the best ever sales target you hit. And don't give nine answers, give one. Answer the question and you, it's not about having formulaic answers to questions, but you start to understand how to answer questions. You start to understand, okay, let me tell you about a time when, yeah, it was January last year, we were halfway through the month, we were behind target, we came together as a team, we did this, 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 and this, and then maybe we came through by the end of it. And that's your answer. If there's more, if more information needed, guess what? The interviewer will go, can you tell me a bit more about it? How did you know those sort of things? Hey, we knew those sort of things because our lead to sell ratio said this. And then you, you get to display more information, but just slow, if you slow down and get the pace and detail of an answer, that conciseness to an answer, that really helps in the interview. So that's a tip I kind of give everybody. So I've got off a big time. And the first, the first question was again. <laughs> um, just talk us through any, any top tips you've got for anyone who's wanting to get ahead, to get to that interview stage, let's say. Yeah. It's a competitive market out there, isn't it, at the best of times? Is that, so do you mean internally or if you're going for a job externally? Um, going for a, any, both. Okay. In generalized. Internally, be the best version of yourself you can be every day. Don't assume something's just going to land in your lap. Ask for feedback. Be the best version of yourself every day. Try to, in some, it doesn't, it's not happening in all cases, but in some cases, try to almost do the job above. What else can you do to help your, your manager, your, your supervisor, your trainer, your, your leader, help them to do their job better? What can you do? What can you expose to from their job as well to give you that exposure to the next level? And, but crucially, to come back to the first point, ask for feedback. What's holding you back? What can you do to help with your career development going forward? That's the first tip I give if it's internally. If it's, if it's externally, is of the common advice, which is not necessarily wrong, is, is reach out to people who are doing those types of jobs. I think you mentioned it in your, in your five tips um, podcast you did recently. You can reach out to people to find out what makes them tick, what makes them good at what they do. Um, that's good advice as well. But other than that, it's two, the two things I'd say. There's no harm in speaking to a specialist recruiter in the sector that you're in as well, just to get some guidance to understand where you are with your career. It doesn't mean you've got to put yourself out there. You're not being disloyal. You'll find out what, where your potential expertise could fit in different businesses. You give yourself options. Um, so I think that's quite an important one. And, some, and then alternatively as well, going go for opportunities, going for stuff. You get the feedback that you need sometimes to understand what's lacking. And good businesses these days, if they're good, a lot of businesses get better at this, are given robust, good feedback when you go for interviews. If you're a no, get good feedback as to why and understand that. Um, if the, all these things tie back into that first point we made wherever time, 40 minutes ago, about feedback, about being open to it and listen to it. If you're that type of person, if you follow one of those strings of advice, you'll get the feedback you need to be successful. And then it might happen the first time, it might happen the second time, but it will you'll get that career progression you will kick on. Hope that's good advice. Perfect. Spot on. Absolutely spot on. Some gold in there for anyone listening. Absolutely. 
Right, we'll move on to uh, questions that I ask on every episode okay. because success leaves clues, or so they say. Yeah. So first and foremost, talk us through your morning routine. Okay. Um, coffee. It starts with coffee. Um, it normally involves a coffee first thing, maybe a second one quite quickly afterwards, making breakfast and lunches for the kids. Um, sometimes there's school runs, sometimes there's some exercise. More often not, it's getting on the train and going to the office. But if you don't mind, the one thing I would say is it sounds like a flippant morning routine, but one thing I think is really important. What I guess you you ask that because success leaves clues. The biggest progression, biggest step forward I ever had in terms of organization was planning in advance, planning my week in advance. So on a Sunday, I plan my personal life in my diary, my fitness, what I want to do fitness-wise during the course of the week, and I plan my machines. So everything that I'm responsible for in my business, I, I look at, or I try to look at as a machine. So what can I do? What do my machines need me to do this week? And, I, and I'll plan my week in advance almost to the hour of what I'm going to be doing. Sometimes it's thrown up by Monday lunchtime. But it's if I plan that in advance, I'm then not thinking, okay, what do I have to do today? What do I have to do today? What am I going to lose time? So I know what's, what's ahead of me. If I do that, it enables me to then be really sharp and make sure I look after everything I need to look after during the course of a week. Nice, nice, very, very nice. For anybody listening, that that is that's a pivotal, pivotal takeaway there. I have been that guy, and I've also not been that guy. I have come out of a routine probably a little bit more than most over the past twelve months since the birth of my my second daughter, um, and all the stuff that goes with that. Yeah, a, a lot more juggling and spinning plates. When I don't do that Sunday preparation for my week ahead, although I know I should. I might have a bit of downtime on the Sunday. I don't want to look at anything work-related. The week suffers. I end up having to do it in the midst of Monday madness. I end up walking into a certain scenario and thinking, oh, what am I doing here? That pre-planning is absolutely pivotal. So, yeah, love that. Uh, next one is, Lawrence, tell us what percentage of the time you are on it. So I asked this question in reference to Eat That Frog um, by Brian Tracy, I think it is. Um, it's also... Referred to a lot by Dan Pinya, the the multi billionaire. Yeah. They say that when you are on it, you are contributing to something which is for the greater good. It's either your personal or professional goals. If you're not on it, then you're doing something that is not necessarily mundane because we all need downtime, but it's not contributing towards goals. What percentage off top would you say you're you're on it? I think the vast majority of the time, um, and that's just I think that's myself. I don't. When I was growing up, when I was growing up, we used to have the time where you sit down and like, oh, no, I need to watch a movie, I need to do something. And I, I think that's, that's fair enough. I have that less now. I'm much more, I want to be effective. I want to be useful. I want to be moving things forward, be it, be it family, work, exercise, something. I like to be doing that. So I, I would say the majority has a percentage, which is probably over 90% of the time. Okay. Okay. High percentage. I like it. Always contributing. I, I, it always has to be going towards something. It has to be. And a lot of that, don't worry, it's family time. So I, I would include stuff like, I, I want to be the best version of myself I can be for my, for my, for my children. So going to watch Rufus' football match, you could argue that's not really on it, but I guess it kind of is because I want to be, that's being the father I want to be. In terms of being selfish and doing something just for me, not very often. Mm. Yeah, love that. I think when you do that as well, you end up regretting it if it's, if it's sort of wasted in dead time. I'm a person, as we talked about before, is very similar to yourself. And if I do something that's not contributed to anything, if I spend very rarely, I'll spend half an hour scrolling through social media. Afterwards, I'll sit there with my head in my hands. I'm like, mm. what have I done with my time? I'm not taking anything out of it. It's not contributed to anything. So we, You mentioned as well in your five things podcast, you mentioned about 
So if you've got 10 minutes there, don't sit and scroll for 10 minutes, listen to podcasts for 10 minutes. If you put good stuff in your brains, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like the easiest thing to do. It's not the easiest thing to do. The easiest thing to do is, is scroll for another 10 minutes. But I never, ever regret taking 10 minutes to, to put a podcast on because something will happen and something good going into my brain is better. Nailed it. Nailed it. And then the last one is you get the opportunity to sit down to dinner with three people dead or alive, past or present, with the aim of making your future as successful as possible. Yeah. Who are you three? Ray Dalio is the first one. Um, no hesitation there. No Ray no hesitation Dalio. whatsoever. Ray Dalio is number one. Ray Dalio, if everyone hasn't read it yet, read the principles book. If you want to improve every facet of your life from, he talks about meditation, he talks about making money, he talks about making your business, being a better leader. Those principles of life, um, I think it's brilliant. I've read it twice already and it's a big old book. So if, if you haven't seen it, that, you know, that's <laughs> quite an achievement, I think, to read it twice. Um, and I, re, I, I visit it most days. Um, my second one is David Attenborough. Um, I, I think we've obviously had this conversation about sort of share the love thing we do in planting trees and climate change and what, what we need to do to our world. There's no greater mind in that area than, than that man. Uh, how we now shape share the love is based upon the documentary that's on Netflix that he's put together. It's actually, the answers are already there in front of us. We have the answers already of how we save our planet. We just have to execute them and do them. And if I can get even more answers from him, that'd be great. And get his guidance of actually how to do it. I'd love to pick his brain even more. And however lame this sounds, the last one is my wife. Um, I've never had a dinner with her that haven't, I haven't enjoyed or haven't developed from. And I would love to have her talking to Ray Dalio and Dave Ashburn and stuff as well. Um, I would... And the chance you get to spend time with the ones closest to you has to be high value. So it'd be my wife. Mate, I absolutely love that. I really do. That's the first time we've had that. And I might have to steal that one if I'm ever asked <laughs> No, that's uh, not, not just for selfish reasons and brownie points either, but um, that's, that's a truth. fantastic answer, honestly. Yeah, it's the truth. And that, that about wraps us up, Lawrence. Nice. So we'll get into your contacts and social handles, websites, etc. in a second. But first off, I just want to say once again, a massive, massive thank you for joining us. A massive congratulations on thank love you. and love care and everything you guys are achieving. Not just for what you're contributing towards the greater good and, and, and providing as a service, but also the culture, that's evident. I work with your guys quite regularly and the culture and the energy that's in there is, is evident. Um, so Thanks, fantastic buddy. work going on there. And also... Lastly, but by no means leastly, what you're doing with the state of the planet. Um, you released some comms the other day on the connection between Pure Gym and Love Recruitment and what that in the last 12 months has done and how many trees it's planted. And I was honestly like, that can't be right. There must be a few extra zeros on that. <laughs> so it's, it's no mean feat. Congratulations you. on what you're doing there. It really is, really is incredible. Just before we wrap it up then, Lawrence, do you want to just tell us where we can find you guys, social handles, website, etc.? Oh, it's really simple. Just, I think I want to say one. I think if you go to loverecruitmentgroup.com, you can find everything from there. The links to the podcast, the blogs, um, me, the team, everything can all come from that central location. So loverecruitmentgroup.com is just the place to go. Perfect. Absolutely perfect, mate. Thanks again. It's been an absolute pleasure. I loved it, mate. Honestly, really enjoyed it. Cheers, Lawrence.